I'd like to read the scriptures to you this morning as we start out. And as he drew near to Jericho, a blind man sitting by the roadside begging and hearing the crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those that were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me recover my sight. He said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 18, verses 34 through 43. Well, good morning, family. It's a joy to be with all of you. I, you know, in that video, is, uh, I kept saying, the hands-on Africa team and Cleone. <laughs> well, I want you to know they're all on our team. <laughs> Andre and Rena back there, that's a hands-on Africa team, but we're one team, <laughs> one family together, and, and great job in all that you're doing on your trip, and, and thank you for just glorifying God wherever you are. You're being the church. We're the church wherever we go. Yesterday we had a, a bicycle giveaway and we gave away Jonah's bike and Jonah got a bike or somebody's bike from the Orlando's family. It was exchanged bikes and um, families were here all day. I had a great time. I was out there talking to all the families, bringing them in the church and introducing them to Abdu and, and Emil who did a great job putting doorstops in. That's going to be such an upgrade here. <laughs> but they did it. So thank you. Um, the team was working and, and we met a lot of really nice people that right here that had questions about God and and how to connect their family to him. So we'll pray that they continue to come. Well, if we have not met um, and you're new, my, I'm Ken, and I am the pastor here at Crosswinds Church. And, and this week, my wife and I are jetting off to Ireland tonight for a dream vacation that fueled me to go through an ordeal of a double knee replacement last December. That, that, that was my, my vision, that, that we'd be able to go on this trip together. You, you see, last year, I, I, about this time, I watched my 75-year-old neighbor mow his lawn just three weeks post-surgery. And I thought to myself, I, I, I can barely stand right now, and I could never do that. And, and then three after, weeks after his surgery, he, he was doing that. And I, I had put off having surgery for years, eight years um, and I lived in pain because of my responsibilities here and also my fears about that and being away. And, but seeing my, ma- my neighbors having a quick recovery, I asked the question, could I do this? Could I, could I really do this? And so I reached out to his doctor who was booked until January, and that, that didn't fit my time window. But I asked, who else might be able to do this? And, and I found a doctor who was the head a brush orthopedic, and he was available to meet with me that week. And unlike other doctors, and one reason I avoided surgery was they all told me I needed to lose 100 pounds, and at one point I did, but then I still didn't have time to do the surgery. And, and, and this one didn't dismiss me for being well-proportioned. You know, all the other doctors dismissed me because of my weight. They, they wouldn't even answer any of my questions. And he asked if I was ready to get better. 
and, and what I wanted from the surgery. And, and I told him, I, I just can't afford the time of two separate recoveries. And I asked, could you do both knees at once? And he warned me that I would curse his name for that first week, but I'd be happier in the long run. And so I, I took the plunge. And the vision of, of dancing an Irish jig in the pub with my wife kept me going through the, the, the pain of rehab. And guess what? Next week, I'll be doing that jig with my wife, Kathy. And thanks, Mom. <laughs> my mom's been a bit, huge support in all this, too. And, and, and today's message is about a journey to wellness, which, which requires clear questions, like I was asking, and a clear vision. And whether you need mental, emotional, or financial, or spiritual healing, asking the right questions and, and having a clear vision are, are crucial. And so today, let's, let's dive into Luke chapter 18, where we'll meet a blind man who, I think, teaches us just that. And it says in the beginning of the verse again that as he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. You know, to find healing from God's words, we need to ask it questions. Questions are, friends, the gateway to vision. I, I didn't see a, a path to my recovery until I started asking the right questions. What doctor? What time frame? Whose help would I need in my recovery? And, and this, this gave me a vision of, of how this could happen in my life. So what questions should we ask today from this verse? Where is Jesus going? Where's he going? And, and, and why? Well, he's, he's headed up to Jerusalem, as he told the disciples... See, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. He will be delivered over the Gentiles, mocked, shamefully treated, and spit upon. After flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. That's what he said just before the scripture I read to you. Yet, the disciples, and this was the third time it says in your Bible that he mentioned this to them. None of the disciples asked him any questions about this. And if you caught last week's sermon, the proof is in the prophecy, you'd know that, that what he said right there is the whole crux of the Bible. The message that God most wants us to grasp. It's a promise that God can and will heal us completely. It's, it's the gospel. It's the good news that he loves us and that he hears our cries in our brokenness and he has a solution to our healing. Yet, yet the disciples didn't ask any critical questions. What, what, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? And those are questions I, I hope you ask today. You know, some, some like Peter, had their own agendas. They're like, hey, dude, that's, that's too extreme. You don't need to go that far, Jesus. Um, just fix the Roman occupation, and, and we're all good. You're, you're scaring people from this ministry we've got here by all this crucifixion talk. You know, just stop that. You know, I heard similar objections as I started talking about my niece. Oh, you don't, you don't need surgery, Ken. You know, try this cream. Try, try this injection. Um, and I, I believed all those things people were telling me for a while because I wanted to believe them. I didn't want to believe that the real solution was so extreme. 
as having my knees cut, bones cut off and, and parts put in. I, I didn't want to believe that. I thought a potion or a pill could, could solve it. But, but Dr. L- Brett Levin, my doctor, great doctor, opened my eyes to the problem for the first time. And I'm extremely grateful. As you can see in these x-rays, go ahead, before and after. That's, that's before. There's no cartilage. Bone on bone for eight years. No cartilage. And that's what it, what's after surgery where you see like there's a space. There should be a space. <laughs> there was no space. Made me bow-legged. Made me unable to walk. A cream was not going to fix that. An injection of some little goop in between uh, hydrolonic acid or whatever didn't do anything. And I, I, I probably had my knees injected 10 times. Um, special braces weren't going to fix it. Nothing was going to regenerate my cartilage, even stem cell therapy. Nothing was going to do it. They were too bad. But I often clung for eight years to temporary fixes because I I didn't want to face the hard reality, the harsh reality of what needed to be done. Similarly, sin is a problem we all have. We all have it. It's the root cause of all of our our sickness, our, our fear, and our depression. Yet many of us think God's solution is too extreme. That God himself had to die to make us well. We'd rather believe that we can fix ourselves. Just slap a little metaphorical Ben Gay on ourselves and keep on moving. Just go about our day, right? That's, that's kind of how we think. But true healing requires the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 9, 22, it tells us, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. See, our our own sacrifices, whether they're religious or self-improvement, can't remove the stain of our sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus will do it. And, and, And our sin is what causes all our problems in life. Hebrews 10, 4 confirms, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. So all, all the sacrifices everybody was trying to do for years when Jesus came here to spoke, wasn't, it was pointing to something, but it wasn't doing anything. Only, only God dying for us, shedding his blood for us, and his son Jesus Christ could take away our sin. You know, Dr. Levin might be a great knee doctor, but even my titanium knees have a shelf life. They do. And, and we all need to face the eternal reality that we are condemned to die because of our sin. Today, do you want to acknowledge your sickness? Or do you just want to pop a happy pill and move on? Jesus said, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. Friends, are you sitting here today thinking you're not sick with sin? If so, you're deceiving yourself. That's what the Bible says in 1 John 1.8. It warns, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We're delusional, is what it's saying. It's delusional to think that you do not have sin. To be well, you must admit you need a doctor. And Jesus is the most compassionate, most effective, most thorough doctor there is. 
And, and friends, well, the good news is he's not here to condemn you, say you're, you ate too much and you're 100 pounds overweight. He's here to assure you, he says in John three seventeen, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. He does house calls. He came to us. Friends, to find a, a true healing, you need a clear vision of what your ailment is. You can't fix a problem that you say is not there. You need to have the courage to ask, how do I get well? And no matter how extreme the treatment plan is, don't let denial drown you. You know that big river we get drowned in, the denial? Right? Don't let it drown you. And I spent eight years in that murky water of denial. Don't make the same mistake with eternity. Satan loves it when we're in denial. He loves that. But the truth is, sin is corrosive. And it will eat away your soul. And, and I hope that that right there is a compelling enough vision to get you searching for the ultimate doctor's treatment in Jesus. What his plan is. Now let's go back to Luke 18. Our, our blind man's name is Bartimaeus. And we know that from Mark's gospel. And he knew how to ask questions that brought clarity to his life. And and hearing the crowd go by, he inquired what this meant. He's asking questions. What does this mean? Luke 18, 36. And he's begging on the streets. That's what he's doing prior to this. He has no other option because society doesn't give a blind man in the first century any other options but to beg. Many would say he is cursed by God due to some sin of his or either his family's. But I I want you to know, Jesus dispelled that myth in John 9, saying that sometimes our problems exist, the problems that we have, so that the works of God might be displayed in us. That God has a purpose in our problems. And Bartimaeus knew he had a problem, a problem he couldn't solve on his own, And maybe his daily begging made him humble enough to seek help. He also had a faith that believed that a solution existed for him. Friends, hope is what gives us vision. Luke 18, 36 tells us that he was actively seeking his answer. And Jesus encourages this saying in in Luke 11, 9, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You know, friends, admitting that you need help in life can be embarrassing. It's like being in the department store. Have you ever done this? You're in the department store and the the clerk comes up and says, can I help you? And you go, oh, no, I, I know where everything is. And you don't, right? You could use the help, but you say no. Why do we do that? Because we're embarrassed to ask for help. But if you're not seeking help, you won't find it, right? You have to be willing to face the embarrassment of asking the right questions. I didn't want to have another doctor tell me I was too fat for surgery. But I had to ask the right question. Your your future, friends, right now, with this AI technology, depends on you learning to ask the right questions of computers. It's called prompt engineering. And this is what our kids are going to need to have to learn how to do, how to ask uh, intelligent computers 
the right questions to get the job done. So it's important to learn to ask the right questions. You know, if you have vision right now, you will see that those are the kind of jobs that are, are going to last, people that can ask the right questions. As your, as your pastor, I can point you to the answers. I want you to think of me like, kind of like AI, a large language mo- model with the emphasis on large, okay? Um, <laughs> or else I'd fit into those cargo pants that I ordered online for my trip. You know, unlike AI, I don't lie or hallucinate, except maybe about my pant size. <laughs> but even if I did, even if I did lie or hallucinate, I still have to know how to point you to ultimate truth in God's word. As Jesus prayed in, in John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The problem with AI is it doesn't know what's true. We know what's true, the word of God. Amen? Amen. Right? We have, a, we, have a, we have something we can always go back to that is true. So you might be wondering, why bring up large language models like me or ChatGBT? Well, it's to make a point. Even the most advanced technologies have errors. We all need that source of truth that corrects us, and that source of truth, again, is God's word. It's going to be very important in the, in the days ahead. And now, as your pastor, I, I get a lot of questions from you all. But they're not often about the word. They're about finding a plumber. I get calls all the time, do you know a good plumber or a good lawyer? Fixing their computers, paying their bills, their relationships, and, and, and about personal happiness. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Those questions are all good. But the questions that will truly transform your lives are the ones that dig deeper. Like what the rich young ruler asked earlier in this chapter, what must I do to have eternal life? See, fixing your plumbing or your relationships won't fix the real issue. And the real issue is you. And the ultimate question we should be asking is, what must I do to fix the real problem? My sin. And the answer, friends, is singular. Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Friends, truth is singular. Just like one plus one will never equal eight. Unless you're Google Bard, because it gives false answers all the time. It does. Lies in math questions. There's only one path, one answer to all your problems, and his name is Jesus. Yes, sure, there are temporary fixes, like my titanium eggs are great. They're going to let me do the jig. But they're not my ultimate solution. They're, they're not what my hope is in. As Proverbs 14, 12 warns us, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way to death. We can't you know, put our, our, our hope in those squiggly lines. So are you willing to be like Bartimaeus, a blind beggar who had the humility to ask, the faith and hope to believe, and the courage to seek the answers? Are you ready to ask the right questions and to seek that ultimate doctor, Jesus, for the truth? Then you're on a path to true healing. 
A healing that's not just for now, but one that's for all eternity. There are answers for your life right now, right today. But they're not on Netflix. They're not on Instagram. They're not on Google Bard. They're not even in your head. They're in this book. If you will learn to question it. Find answers in it. You may say, I've tried to find answers, but I don't understand it. Then why are you not reading it every day? Asking the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. God promises that he will. Why are you not coming to a life group to ask questions of the other leaders and other believers who also have the Holy Spirit in them? Why Why are some of you only coming to church to hear the word of God once per week, and and then oftentimes nationally, once per month. If you want the answers you seek, do what Jesus said. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And, And when the answer comes, then accept the cost of the treatment plan, whatever it is. And I guarantee you will be healed. Stop patching and going. That's what the medical system offers us today. A patch and then go. Many people see doctors as as their gods. But all they offer is a patch and go. They're wonderful. Jesus has given us them. But they're not our ultimate answer. Ask God. and, And he will give you a clear vision of your healing. Now it's back to Bartimaeus. They told him, it's Jesus of Nazareth passing by in Luke 18, 37. And the crowd doesn't make Jesus sound like he's the answer to the man's problems. I mean, even one of Jesus' disciples, Nathaniel, once said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, Nazareth was a small hick town of about 200 to 1,000 people. And the people there were mostly farmers and tradespeople like Jesus' father, Joseph, who was a carpenter. Nobody of note ever came from that town except Jesus. It's one reason we know that it's true, the story about Jesus. Because this man from nowhere, we all know about. Our time is changed, or you know, history is changed by the date of his birth. How, how did that happen? We don't know about most people other than top world leaders like Julius Caesar. But we know a lot about Jesus because God wanted us to. You know, Isaiah 11, 1 says, There, there shall come forth a, a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from the roots shall bear fruit. See, the, the Hebrew word for branch in Isaiah is phonetically similar to the word Nazareth. And so scholars believe this pro- is a prophecy of the Messiah that he would come from the town of Nazareth. And Jesus is kind of doing a little phonetic wordplay here is what, what they're saying. The, the, the crowd meant to give a dig, maybe, to Jesus. Like, he's, he's like, like what Daniel said, nothing good came from that town. This guy's from Nazareth when they answered the blind man. Now, they were there as a crowd because they heard of Jesus' reputation as a man. And so they were willing to kind of overlook the Nazareth thing, but... But they didn't have a lot of hope. But this 
man in faith had the hope to ask another question in his mind. Could, could this be the one? Could this be the one person that could help me? The Messiah of God? And in faith he cried out, believing it is God alone that can solve his problems. Friends, the answer you're seeking for your lives aren't found in the latest Netflix series or any of the other things we talked about. They're found in the Bible. It's not just as any doctor, but as God himself, an anointed king. And he dared to ask a question. Could he heal me? Many people today see Jesus as a great teacher. But healing comes when we accept him as God. This blind man had a clearer vision of God's love and mercy than the crowd did. Isn't that interesting? And, and, and he doesn't ask for justice. He, he asks for mercy. He, he, he knew he couldn't heal himself, but he believed that Jesus could. And, and friends, that's how we should pray. Focused on God's goodness and the promises he gives us, trusting that he can answer any question for our ultimate good. Now, friends, you may not like the answer you're getting right now. But remember what God said in Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. See, God sees a big picture of what you really need. You don't even know often what you really need. You know, on a personal note, after my surgery, the, the first few months were really tough. I had to relearn how to walk. It was excruciatingly painful. But I, I held on to my vision of going to Ireland. Some of you may be going through life surgeries phase right now. It's painful. It's painful right now. Keep your eyes on heaven. God has promised to heal you. All, all this current bull dung will eventually work out for your good. Does the word dung offend you? I know it manure offends my wife. But friends, sometimes you have to go through some poopy in your life to be healed. 
Dung is biblical, friends. It's biblical. Here's what the apostle Paul said in the King James Version. Yea, doubtless, I account all things but loss for the excellency of knowing uh, the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Philippians 3.8. And Paul in that verse, he not only talks about dung, but but dung. It's got to be worse. Sometimes the Bible's graphic to make a point. That whatever poopy we have to go through in this life is worth the vision of what he has for us. And that he's doing something through it. Sorry, Kathy, if you're in here. Is manure a better word now for you? <laughs> she's, she's probably texting mean things about me. No, she wouldn't do that. Um, the point is, any suffering you have to go through, if you have, gives you a vision to ask the right questions. And if you'll ask the right questions and find the answer that God is good, you win. You win. No matter what, what the bull poopy you go through right now, you win. On that final day, you will cross the finish line into eternal life, having no more tears, no more crying, no more pain or suffering for all eternity. Not a temporary fix, but an eternal fix forever. And through my own trials, I've I, I found that there are two types of questions we often ask. The first question is, why? And the second one could be, what? Why is usually a question of complaint. Why, God? Why, God? Why, God, is this happening to me? That's a fine millennial whine. That's a joke. I'm kidding. It's the millennials. Right? But, but that's, that, you know, when you're young, Why? On the other hand, what, friends, is a question of faith? What are you doing, God? What are you doing right now in my life to fulfill your will? Do you see the difference between the two questions? What, God? What is your purpose? And, and very important distinction. We've all cried out why. But faith comes when we start crying out what. What are you preparing me for? What, 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 what witness is there in this? How, how am I to glorify you in this? What did Jesus say about the first blind man? This sickness, this blindness, so he may, might display God in his life? In Luke 18, 39, the crowd tries to silence Bartimaeus. But he doesn't ask, why are you telling me to be quiet? He doubles down and he shouts louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. His question is not one of complaint, but faith, asking for God's mercy to intervene in his life. Now think about this. This is a pitiful scene, isn't it? Bartimaeus couldn't even see all the people that were in front of him. He's just crying out to the Lord. Maybe he could smell them. It was the first century, and let's be honest, everybody probably smelled a bit dungy. But, you know, he couldn't see anybody. But this city of Jericho was also known as City of Roses. And so perhaps he's an optimist. He lived there because the aroma reminded him daily of God's sweet love for him. And, and even in his blindness, 
he expressed gratitude in faith because gratitude is faith while grumbling is doubt. To offer a pleasing aroma to God, we should be grateful and fill the air, friends, with our praises. And so despite the rebuke, Bartimaeus' faith shines out as he cries out even louder, Son of David, have mercy on me! A declaration of faith in a God who can help, no matter what the trial is he's going through. Now what happens next, I think is crucial. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And, and when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? As disciples of Jesus, it's crucial to remember that when we share our witness, Jesus calls us to bring people to him. Right? That was the first thing. Jesus said, bring him to me. Bring him to me. We don't bring him to a church. We don't bring him to a ministry leader. We don't bring him to a parachurch or organization or a government program. Those things can assist, but they don't replace Jesus. It is in Jesus that our ultimate healing is found. Don't offer people temporary fixes. Offer them the lasting solution. If we don't, we're just practicing religion and not being his church. Believe that Jesus has authorized you and he's commanded you to bring people to him. And and friends, you're going to be blessed if you do that. Do that through giving them his word and and your prayers. They will find healing. Now, now, Now pay attention to what Jesus asks. This question is very important. What do you want me to do for you? That, that question is, is so important that we need to remember as we minister to other people. Friends, don't apply your solutions. Instead, ask a question that will bring clarity to the situation. Because people often know their problems better than you think you do. Let this question bring clarity to open the door to what God can do which is abundantly more than whatever we can think or what we can imagine. And this man says, Lord, help me, let me recover my sight. And notice the blind man's request isn't for material wealth or, or worldly success. He doesn't ask for millions of dollars, a new house or a sports car. These kind of requests often reveal what we truly value, what we covet, what we place as our ultimate priority. James Four, two through three warns us. It says, you desire and you do not have. So you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel and you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So friends, are your prayers genuine asks or ungrateful demands? What are they? The blind man, here he addresses Jesus as Lord. He acknowledges authority and his goodness. He doesn't make demands. Instead, he humbly says, let me, Lord, just let me recover my sight. He trusts in God's goodness and he submits to his will while also expressing his heartfelt desire. 
How can God know your heart if you never stop and ask yourself what it really is? I mean, he knows, but he wants you to know what is your heart's desire and and delight yourself in him before he will give you the desires of your heart. Your desire of your heart is really him. You don't need a temporary fix. You need him. And he wants you to know that. And he wants to reveal that to you so that you can pray more accurately about it. You know, the Lord's Prayer is just like, give us this day our daily bread. It occurred to me the day is like, you know, we can think I need more cash in my life. But no, I need more of Jesus, the, the bread of life to come down from heaven and be with me. Pray, pray for what we really need. The blind man's request for sight wasn't just a physical need. It was a, a deep, soulful yearning. And, and God knew it. And, and, and the man shows his willingness to, to participate in his own healing as well. Well, God can do anything he wants without our help. He values our partnership and our commitment in our own recovery. And, and, and it's through this partnership that our, our character is refined and our faith is strengthened. Sometimes God's healing comes instantly, but often the most, transform, most transformative changes in our lives happen over time through our suffering, like, like gold refined by fire. And, and this refining process is where we shed our impurities and grow to be more into the likeness of our heavenly Father. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And then wrapping up, let's focus on Jesus' words here. Recover your sight. And this could be easily misunderstood as a call to improve one's own vision. But that's not it. What truly healed the man was his faith. Not in improving his physical sight. People who walk by faith aren't blind. They see clearly who God is. A redeemer who can save them through his goodness and their faith in him. As Hebrews eleven six states, And without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So where does my help come from? Is a question we need to ask. That's a, a question where we gain vision and, and, and we gain hope for the future. The answer is, where does my hope come from? It's, it's in worshiping a God that is truly good. And, and, and we please him when we draw near to him like Bartimaeus did, asking for help and believing he is good enough to fix any problem and will reward our faith. The scripture tells us, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. Francis. His sight was restored and his life was transformed because he followed Jesus, praising him for his goodness. Today, where are you? Are you standing in the dung of your life, angry with God or with others, asking why, why, why? Or are you standing asking what? As in, what good can come from this? Which do you think will please him more? 
What kind of prayer do you think he will be pleased to answer? I think those with a clear vision of who he is. Paul wrote, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also graciously give us a few things? Does it say that? Does it say a few things? All things. All things. Romans 8, 31 through 32. Today, whatever it is, but start here. Ask him to forgive your sins because he's willing. Ask him for eternal life and it is done. Jesus on the cross, the price for your sin is paid in full. You just need to believe it. Ask him for a new life and, and he will demonstrate that to you because he rose from the grave on the third day conquering all sin, death and Satan and he wants to make you into a new creation but you must be like the blind man seeing his goodness clearly and following him in faith, constantly praising his goodness. Today, ask him a question of faith. Will you save me? Friend, do you believe he can and is willing? I may be a large language model full of errors, but I know this is true because my training data has been the word of life. And that training data is perfect. At one point, you were blind, but now you see. Maybe we should all do what the crowd did next in this text when they saw how good God was to this man. And how he rewards those who seek him. The last verses. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up. Now's the time to praise him. No matter what poopy you're standing in, praise him. I'm serious. What did Job say when everything was taken away? Anybody know? Blessed be the Lord. Right? He gives and he takes it away. But blessed be the Lord. Praise him today for his goodness. Cry out to him like the blind man and you will be healed. Cry out to him. Everybody stand. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you and I praise you that you are the word of life. That in your words are life and our peace, and our salvation. Father, we've inquired of it today. We know that you want to do the work of salvation here today. Father, if there's anybody here that's standing on the fence, standing in that why, in doubt, and needs to come and say, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, I will do it. I will come to you. I will turn from my sin and I will follow you. I will leave my hope in the world behind and trust in you. Father, if they'll come to that moment of stepping out of denial, admitting their sin, and believing by faith in the good thing you did for them on the cross, that that you love them so much that you're willing to die for them. 
And if they will commit to follow you, you will save them. And they will have the ultimate promise of eternal life, the forgiveness of all of their sin, and you will start giving them more abundant life in this life until that day happens, if they will follow you. Oh Lord, let let them make that decision today. Right now. Convict their hearts that the time is now to ask the right question. That they no longer walk in darkness and blindness, but that they can walk in the light of your love from this day forward. Oh Father, do a good work in this place. And then Father, send us out to share that message, to tell the other blind men and women there's hope. Cry out. Cry out to a God who loves them, who's proved that that he loves them. He, He proved it by hanging on a cross saying, Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. He proved it by rising to show them new life for all eternity. Oh, Father, do a mighty work in people's hearts right now. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, if you're committing yourself to follow him, you've never turned in repentance of your sin, come and pray with me. Or if today you, you feel like you've just been asking the question, why, instead of what, come and pray with me, and we'll pray and, 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 and give our problems to God and say, Lord, I know you're doing good for me. Let me trust by faith in your goodwill. Come, come and pray with me.